Hello, and thank you for joining us on Why Theory. I am Ryan Engley, one of your co-hosts, joined, as always, by Todd McGowan. Todd, how are you, bud? I'm good, Ryan. Good to see you this morning. Or talk to you, at least. I'm not seeing you. So. Well, you're see- seeing my, my voice. I'm I mean, you're going to eventually... Voice. You're gonna get the you're gonna get the wave file and you're gonna see the shape of my voice and That's that'll right. be close enough. It is close it'll be a partial enough. object, my partial object for yeah. for you this morning. Uh, <laughs> so today we have a uh, we're doing a long uh, requested and long talked about multiply uh, requested. Uh, I think too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's right. But yeah, by different people yeah. for for different reasons. Yeah. Um, and we are talking about uh, racism and psychoanalysis, uh, which is. Just one of these things, I think one of the, like like a big topic in the field of I don't know we could say social theory writ large that does not normally get a psychoanalytic gloss and it's um, a, a a gap in scholarship that I would say comes f- both from within and without. I mean, would you agree with that? I do like, agree. I just want to. I, I yeah, I definitely agree with that. I just want to mention the two exceptions. So there was a. Edited collection by Christopher Lane called Psychoanalysis of Race, I think. And mm. Sheldon George recently wrote a very good book, which we're going to talk about later, called yeah. uh, Trauma and Race. So there is a and, – and Sheldon has been really good about trying to promote this, you know, this relationship between psychoanalysis and the analysis of racism. But I think your, your point that it comes from both a – reluctance or refusal of psychoanalytic thinkers to engage mm-hmm. race and also from critical a reluctance of critical race theorists to engage psychoanalysis. Uh, psychoanalysis. You know, it's funny yeah. because a, 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 we had a visitor at a university of Vermont f- f- last year and he was going to do something on Freud and mm. he just, he, what he wanted to do was show how racist Freud was and how that destroyed psych, how that impugned psychoanalysis. And for sure. some reason, a friend of mine said, oh, you should talk to my colleague, Todd McGowan, because he, he's interested in psychoanalysis. <laughs> <laughs> so that we had, somebody said to say it wasn't a, a very, my conversation, the conversation was basically, uh, I think you're totally wrong. And he, him to <laughs> me was, I think you're totally wrong. Totally <laughs> wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. 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 So, so I think That's that, one of- that was a nice sort of synecdoche <laughs> for the whole <laughs> yeah the whole relationship i think you know uh, yeah well i mean that's another to I me mean, to go back to to uh an old an old chestnut for me that's the if you want to if you want to disregard psychoanalysis as a uh um a framework for understanding uh race and society like read why war and don't read anything anyone else has written about right it. Like that's Jack your fa- that was like your just... where not to begin on freud <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah yeah, go, yeah. Just, yeah. you want to dismiss it and stop listening to this podcast go read why war yeah. you'll have your reasons yeah, and yeah. it's fine yeah. you can bring them up in public no one will, people will be like oh well those are good reasons good reasons yeah. uh yeah. yeah right you know but it'll miss the entire point right. uh, i think and that uh, we're going to get into so um but one thing that is worth uh, as a well, as a way of getting into um, our larger conversation, is that I do think it is true. I, I would contend that psychoanalysis does not present itself uh, naturally as a good fit for uh, discussing race and, and racism. It doesn't seem like it has concepts that immediately lead their way to uh, discussing um, 
race and racism, maybe even especially right. as because, it is isn't it because articulating contemporary society. Yeah, yeah. It's because yeah. sex is the focus, right? Like it's yeah. it's yeah. it's it's you know if you if it, it's almost like Freud chose to talk about sex and then he couldn't talk about race. But I mean, I don't think those two are mutually exclusive. But I think the way that this psychoanalytic focus on sex, I think, has has just made race seem extraneous or just, and I think this is the way I think some Lacanians think of race. It's just a symbolic difference. So it's really not, sure. it's really not a significant thing theoretically, not that it doesn't have a social impact, but just theoretically mm-hmm. it's not significant because it's just a symbolic difference. Cause there's really no get, racial, you know, like there's really no, yeah. it's not a real thing. Yeah, I think that's totally true. And I wonder if it dovetails with I, just, I wonder if you could do a like a pop Freudian read of Freud here. I wonder what you think about this. Um, does he push in that direction? Because um, I mean, we've totally lost this today. But I mean, when he was alive, uh, psychoanalysis was the Jewish science, right. meaning it was itself at the time a raced idea, a racialized idea of thinking. And so I don't know. Do you wonder if, if, if yeah, that's I think that part that's, of the push away? I think that's part of the push away. Yeah. So yeah. it's the so so the race aspect of psychoanalysis is the repression of its Jewish origin. Right. Yeah, like he was so yeah, he, terrified of the idea that it would be a Jewish science. And of course the Nazis burned Freud's books because they thought it was a Jewish science. Yeah, um yeah. so it was a legitimate I mean, that's what drove him to Jung. Right? Mm-hmm. Like he thought, here's my crown, here's my Aryan crown prince who will mm-hmm. eliminate this Jewish stain on psychoanalysis. Yeah. So I think that, I think there's something to that. I mean, it's a kind of wild psychoanalysis of Freud, but <laughs> it is yeah, a little bit, yeah, but I yeah. do think it's probably right. Like I think it, I think it, um, I think he, because just because it's not that wild actually, because he talks obsessively about, you know, about Judaism and it's, and, and how psychoanalysis has its origins in that and how he doesn't want it to be conf- in that, in that mm-hmm. ghetto, you know, like, or, mm. as he would, think of it as a as a ghetto yeah oh man that's really interesting yeah so so uh, but i and i think that this you know doesn't have to be a point that we just uh leave completely because i I think that the argument the large argument we're going to make is that like um uh oh to (laughs) to continue to do sort of a pop freudian thing the uh there is latent content if you will uh in psychoanalysis that makes it like a fertile ground for talking about race and racism i think that's what we're going to be doing is not um, re- redeeming uh, psychoanalysis as a, as a as a theory for talking about race and racism, but showing where it already is, and that th- these uh, avenues and ways of thinking are are just not being actualized, but for rare, significant, and famous examples. The two that you mentioned, and then of course uh, Fanon, who we talked about. Yeah, Fanon. Yeah, episode. yeah, we've talked about him. As I mean, maybe we could never talk enough about him because it's probably a, true. Such a great figure, and amazing that he died so young too. But anyway, mm. yeah. Um, so the first place that I want to take us um, is a book that I think we've mentioned before, and we haven't given extended treatment to it yet. So it's really good that we're uh, going to get to yeah. now, which is um, "Racecraft: Colon the Soul of Inequality in American Life" by uh, Karen and Barbara Fields, um, which is a stunning book. Uh, it it should be in the um, uh, woke white person knapsack alongside uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates's uh, Between the World and Me, but it's uh, it's not there. It has not 
punctured the uh, level of pop culture awareness uh, in, in the way that Coates uh, has. And uh, although it's, interestingly, it's, it, he blurbs it, he blurbs it. And it's a, it's, it's a great, you know, blurb. It's, it's a, a great, great blurb, blurb that we're yeah. going to get to. Yeah. Most blurbs are, they don't tell They're you like anything. the ones I write. Great <laughs> book. How can, should be assigned to everyone. It's so amazing. I can't yeah. wait for you to write a blurb on, on my book. That's going to be a lot of fun. That's, <laughs> I'll have to say this time I really mean it. Oh, my God. Yeah, but that's going to cast. Uh, you should do that because that'll be, then people can read your blurbs on previous books and be like, I don't know how to take yeah, this. Yeah, how do now. you take this? I once, you, by the way, I once, I don't know if I should tell this, but I once uh, <laughs> I once emailed Slavoy and I asked him, he had blurbed a book, and and I said, is this book really good? Do you, you think I should really read it? He goes, absolutely not. I just blurbed it for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> so the so blurbs are as you point out they're they're a dime a dozen they're not yeah they're, they're not t- worth the, t- the back of the book they're printed on exactly typically meaningless yeah. uh but the coats one is is really great and we're going to get to it uh, in a second but the uh so just going to talk about the um the introduction of the of the textbook i mean the, the whole book is, is well worth reading Amazing. but for our purposes yeah. in this conversation uh we're going to sketch out um the there are three ideas uh, that the fields get into in their book. And they, uh, they're, the terms are race, racism, and racecraft. And um, I'm going to read from the book. This is, uh, this is page 17 uh, for anybody following at home. Uh, the racism refers to the theory and practice of applying a social, civic, or legal double standard based on ancestry and to the ideology surrounding such a double standard. Uh, we can clip a little bit. Uh, racism is not an emotion or state of mind, such as intolerance, bigotry, hatred, or malevolence. If it were that, it would be easily overwhelmed. Most people mean well most of the time, and in any case are usually busy pursuing other purposes. Racism is first and foremost a social practice, which means that it is an action and a rationale for action, or both at once. Racism always takes for granted the objective reality of race, so it is important to register their distinctness. The shorthand transforms racism, something an aggressor does, into race, something the target is, in a sleight of hand that is easy to miss. And I love this. It's such a great example, and it's very clear uh, articulation of their idea. Consider the statement... Black Southerners were segregated because of their skin color. A perfectly natural sentence to the ears of most Americans who tend to overlook its weird causality. In that sentence, segregation disappears as the doing of segregationists and then in a puff of smoke reappears as a trait of only one part of the segregated whole. Um, and I and that's just like, it's such it's a great... It's also why you should never use passive voice, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the ideology of passive voice, The ideology voice, right? of passive voice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it strikes again. Yeah. So the... What the fields uh, approach here, and it's uh, distinct uh, from anybody, is to claim that racism creates race. Yeah. And and that is what they're getting at. And the example of that sentence is that so, you know, you don't say, you know, to say that um, black Southerners were segregated because of their skin color is to take that act, that act of racism and to put it on the target basically as the cause for it. It's a little bit similar to uh, like a woman was assaulted versus a man assaulted a woman. Right. Right. Like, like you, 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 you're just, you're flipping the the causality. Well, the extreme version, wouldn't it be that the woman was wearing a short skirt and (laughs) was assaulted? Right. I mean, right. Right. I almost think that's what they're, they're getting at. 
right? Like the, yeah, the, yeah. That the the I love this idea that that racism is disguised as race, and that's yeah. the ideological that's the ideological gesture. You know, I think that's it, it's a. It's, Phen- a, it's a phenomenal it's a, point. It's a yeah. phenomenal point, and and it explains why their book has been repressed, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, we haven't burned it publicly, but it's, <laughs> it's also it's all, of course worse to ignore the book than to burn it. Yeah. Right. Well, and th- this part, I think, part of the reason is like their their discussion of racecraft, which is uh, the process that justifies the categories of, of race, and and I I think a good example of what they mean when they talk. So they, they talk about racecraft as um, coming from witchcraft, but it's when you think about witchcraft, you think about, well, it's something that a witch does and that's not what they mean. It's more, what does society do to identify the witch? Right. You know, right. like to, to justify uh, seeing it out in the world. And uh, like a, a pretty good contemporary example, I think of, uh, of racecraft is 23 and me or ancestry.com. Like these things that like, the, and they, they talk about er, older studies that, that identified traits that separated um, the Alpine from like the Mediterranean, you know, or, or, you know, I don't in know. Their example. all this DNA crap. I just, it's so hard. I mean, it's, I just think it's all ideological, right? Like, yeah. And, and, yeah. and we were talking a while ago, you and me about this, the way in which, uh, you know, everyone knows there's a single ancestor, right? Like that's it, right. That, that emerged in Africa. And so, right. so, so there's no DNA test to show. It should all. They all just show that we don't even need it. They all show the same thing. You're African. Yeah. You're African. Yeah. You're African. <laughs> but I thought you made a. a you, I would like you to make it again. You made a really good point, point about this. Yeah. Well, yeah. The so what these tests really are is there. How far away can you put yourself from that African origin? Yeah. And that's really what it is. So like how, how many, how much layer, how, like what kind of layer of distance can you put between you and your own Africanness? And like, you know, African-Americans, you know, people who are, are obviously black, uh, or, you know, like in, you know, in society, like they can't do that. They're as, they're as far away from that as possible. Uh, and, that is um, like, or I should say, I should put it the other way. They're, they're, close. they're too close. Yeah, they're too close. Right, right. They're yeah, they're too close to like, so they could never claim that they don't have that heritage. But a you know, uh, a, like a white European from like many many generations of other like white Europeans like can claim that, and it's like so you can kind of, you can almost see a universal idea in this, which is like the, like you just, you just want to seem like you've progressed and it, and when you put it that way, when I put it that way, you can totally see, well, what, what, what is at the core of a lot of racism? Well, it's like, it's claims of primitivism, right. Right. Onto the, onto the black or brown other. And like, so there has to be some sort of progress. There has to be some sort of movement away from from the, from Africa, from home. Like you don't, you know, like, like, you know, every when when you leave, I mean, and this is a banal example that takes race out of the equation, uh, you know, unfortunately. But the when you move away from home, like, and and you and you look on Facebook and you see like some people you went to high school with who never left, you think less of them. You think less. That's of them. To- yeah. totally a thing. Yeah. And this is just on a much wider scale with you know much more you know nefarious uh, tangible consequences. And yeah. Nefarious and material consequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So I, I think that's. I think that's yeah, something I really a, like that idea in. of the repression of of the African origin, even by people who would 
admit to it, right? Like it, there's, mm-hmm. there's a nice fetishistic disavowal of it. Like you go for mm. the DNA test and you're fetishistically disavowing the African origin that you know that you have, right? Like right, and that, and maybe that that like we could we could position that as like that's actually what you know what white people want to see, right? Is like how like I I like I know very well that there's <laughs> that there's a very there's a great chance that uh, there's going to be African in here, but um you know even still, like. I, you want to see the opposite. And then when that's confirmed, you continue to live in that space of of disavowal. Like, like, so you want, you want to see it not happen. And like, if 23 and me wanted to be radical, like, wouldn't it be pretty amazing if like they, they just, they just did this like a hundred percent, they sent to everybody and it's just, it said African and they, and they, and they, they like, uh, and like people would riot. They'd they be like, you well, stole my money. I can't. It. Yeah. They would just, they, would stop waste, they yeah. wouldn't want my money back. I'm not, yeah, I, right. I'm not, don't, I don't go back that far. That's not they what can't I can't go back. Yeah. That's not what, exactly. Yeah. I right, just right. find all that stuff so silly. Like Ben Affleck, when he tried to get Henry Louis Gates to hide that his ancestors were slave. I mean, who cares? Like, yeah. who cares? What is that show? Like, yeah. I, my ancestors barely got out of the swamp. I mean, they're, <laughs> but what is that? Who cares? I just, you know, I just think that that, and I think that's one of the things that the field sisters are really undermining, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's a pretty, I think that's pretty, it's, that's one of the things that makes it a pretty powerful book. I also just want to add one thing that yeah. one of their examples was, of, of the way race craft works was the idea of a, of a biracial, person yeah. right like they're mm-hmm. a mixed race person because mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. like it it's a way that racecraft works to hide the fact that every there's no such thing as a non-mixed race person yeah right? yeah and this is i i well i'm glad you added that because i think that makes a, a, a an important segue so where where do we make the turn to toward psychoanalysis here and i think uh psychoanalysis needs uh, or it's, it's at least seems to need help to be a, a theory that can address um, race in a current contemporary and like kind of urgent way. And we can see it in the, in the field's ideas, but then I think this will help us read back to see that, yeah. you know, yeah. psychoanalysis can do this naturally. Um, and if we position uh, their three terms along uh, Lacan's orders of the uh, imaginary, symbolic, and real, something I, I think pretty interesting happens, which is that we see that racecraft, as Todd, I think your example, you just put it, is, is, is perfect. Like racecraft is the, uh, is the imaginary. It is, it, you know, the, the 23 and me, um, all, like all of this, like this belief in, in the, the, the multiple races that can be shown, this is their point, can be shown rationally and through science. Okay. Right. To, to like, to present races like a, 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 a real symbolic thing that is that's well within the order of the imaginary that that which the imaginary for for lacan is like papers over uh the like what you might say like the the, the ruptures real. or the holes yeah the, the it, it, yeah. it papers over the real yeah. which seems to make the symbolic a smooth uh space of just natural functioning right um and the race uh in their uh the way that they term it um the the fields do i think it fits very very well with uh 
Lacan symbolic because it is the way that um, like race is like the the way that um, I mean it's how ex- exchange and like conversation like an identification like social identification like like works like like at a very fundamental level the symbolic works along these uh, identificatory lines and just and this notion that race is a fiction that fits totally within that right like it's a symbolic uh, yeah. fiction. Yeah, right. That's what people say. It's a social construction. It's a social construction. Right. So in, right. in that yeah. way, I think critical race theory, that's actually totally right. You know, that this mm-hmm. idea that it's just race is just a fiction. But the problem is you have to then add the third category, which you're about to do. Right, which is that racism as the real. Yeah. And this is and then this is the breakthrough the, the the i mean the profound point that the the fields make is that it's again it's not that black uh southerners were segregated because of their skin color it's like uh the racism created their skin color even meaning anything at all and that is that's the that's the point that's what holds it together right. so like the right. yeah um, i mean they 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 almost say i mean i don't think this is a good practical guide for living because it would it's sort of dehumanizing in some sense, but they almost right. say whenever you see race, you should think to yourself, it's racism that's making me see race. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I said that to even my, in a positive, right. In even the in most benevolent way, way possible. Right. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Even a positive way. And, uh, and I said that to my graduate class and they're like, I, d- I just, they, they thought that that was too, like it would like you would not be treating the other person as a real person because you'd be constantly doing this operate. And I, I think that there's something to that. Like I don't, but I think yeah. as a, as a like way to think about your, when you reflect back on your, your own ways of relating to other people, I think that's a good way to think about it. Like whenever I saw race, it was racism making me see race. Mm-hmm. But then I think mm-hmm. when you when interact with people, you just interact with them as people. So I don't I don't think you yeah. can do this. I don't know. Maybe you think you could. I don't know. No, 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 no. I agree with you because there there is a there is a thing here where like the bad takeaway from the from racecraft would be, uh, or from this discussion even uh, about it would be to say like, oh well, this is why I say I'm a humanist and I don't right. I don't see color. Right. For, and that's like no 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 no. What you're doing is exactly what they're saying is that like you are hiding you know, you're obfuscating the racism that like is generative of the categories and the symbolic reality, like at all like that. So, right. I I think that that's your point when you say racism is the real, right? Like that. Yeah. If you say, I mean, this is the problem with colorblind ideology is that it, it Mm -hmm. it misses the real. It's like, yeah, it's like, okay, we're going to construct this nice symbolic that's colorblind, but (laughs) sorry, there's the real too. And that's, that gets repressed and that and then it of course returns as what do they call it implicit bias or whatever the, yeah you know whatever the, the yeah. there's a term that's i mean like the fields would have it that's a race craft term isn't it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it, like it's, isn't it racism isn't there a, <laughs> yes, we already exactly. have a word exactly. for implicit bias <laughs> it's, it's, it's called racism, racism. Yeah, yeah yeah we have a great word for it yeah, yeah. yeah. um it's called ra- yeah I, I mean and there there's like there's so much in it to, to talk about like like uh, i like uh, some some the the town that I, that I grew up in was very very white during the time that uh that i grew up in it and the demographics have started to change a little bit um, but there was in my, uh, grade, there were like a 
small countable number of, of black people. And one of them who I knew, knew, uh, pretty well, she said that, uh, she said this after high school, uh, to not like her friends, but that like, you know, we're growing up in a town like this, what your friends say to you as like a nice thing is like, you know, we don't even see you as black. (laughs) And like, that's the, so, so that's the whole, you know, and to, to, I mean, I think it's a great example of missing the real, you know, like, uh, and, and so, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. But so the, this I, th- I think that like we need the field's help to get there to position like yep. Lacan's three orders as be- being able to and, like make it fit for uh, commentary on on race and racism. But like I think it's it's like it's really clear that that it's uh, it's it's fertile ground for this. I agree, and I think it's interesting because if racism is the real, then what it produces and why it continues to be effective and and appealing to people is that it produces mm-hmm. enjoyment. Yeah. And that's and and that's Sheldon George's position that 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 the enjoyment of racism is integral to its success, right? Like, and so he yeah. says something like, "The racial history of America is is about is about binding African Americans mm. discursively." to excesses in enjoyment. And of course, in all enjoyment is excessive. And, mm-hmm. you know, he thinks of, I'm not sure he gives these examples, but like the, the black entertainer, the black sports right. figure. And this is mm-hmm. why, you know, this is why when the Southerners were lynching a black man, you know, the, I mean, they didn't just kill him, right? They, mm-hmm. they would yeah. castrate him and then put his yeah. balls and penis in his mouth, right? Like that was a common and then burn him. Yeah. So that was a common... And it's because you know, obviously have there's you read. Oh, sorry. I don't want to. Uh, have you read uh, Colson Whitehead's Underground Railroad? No, I haven't. But everybody tells me it's very good. It's like it's really good. There is a scene early on where uh, one of the characters is watching uh, that happen to, to someone who is on the, the plantation and he's about to be burned. And the way that it's like the way that like, he does this on purpose is that there are a lot of the the most horrible things that happen to the characters in that book. Like he just writes it like it's the most natural thing in the world. And you, that's how you read it. And then you're like, what the fuck did I just skip past? Like I just skipped past this, this guy's balls getting cut off and shoved in his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a nice, it's it's a nice, 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 nice thing. A writerly uh, trick. But anyway, yes, please, please. Well, I was just going to say that that shows decisively. I think that it's a, that it's sexual enjoyment involved with racism right and that i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's a great point just the bare existence of that those acts should have led psychoanalytic thinkers to think like wait a minute racism is integral to any understanding of sexuality even right like it's yeah. it's it's constantly at work and it's in and in and in the crux of racism is enjoyment and the enjoyment that it provides it's interesting because I think it, it's, of course, the enjoyment that it provides the racist. But, mm-hmm. but don't you think, I wonder what you think about this. Do you think that the racist's enjoyment is actually the enjoyment imputed to the other? So that, so that the white racist is enjoying mm-hmm. the black man's, let's say, enjoyment. Like, like through yeah. another, like, I'm thinking of Do the Right Thing where... Yeah. Uh, Mookie confronts one of the 
guys that works at the Italian uh, pizzeria, and he says, like, look, at, you like all these. Your favorite singer is Prince. Your favorite actor is Eddie yeah. Murphy. Your, you know, your favorite yeah. sports star is Magic Johnson or Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and yet you're a total racist. Yeah. And so, like, those, it's, they, that the, the racist enjoys through those figures of, of blackness, even as they're, I mean, the, I think the castration example really shows that, even as they're mm. doing violence to them. Mm. I mean, I think like the, the tie that, 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 um, is, is it, um, Sheldon that makes this tie between the sexuality and, and, and racism? Uh, it, maybe me, is, maybe is Sheldon. Imp- I don't know. <laughs> it's implicit. It's Im- okay. It's maybe, the, I, did, I mean, I did certainly pick up, I mean, yeah, I think he, he, he does talk about that, but not to the extent that I just did, but yeah. Okay. Um, because isn't it, I mean, isn't it true that like the, when, when a man is hanged, that the man has an erection. I think that's true. And like, yeah. and I think like, okay, so that like, so this, and I mean, this is, I think people have traced this back to like, so like the, the, um, the stereotype of the, the black man with the huge penis. I mean, like it, like that comes from lynching like as, as much as, as anything else, because like, it's a public display of like right. the black man's genitalia. Right. And like, that's right. so, you know, I, I don't know. So there's something there, there, there is a territory there that like is, uh, is ripe for psychoanalytic theory to, to intervene in because it does like, it brings the, like, I mean, the, the idea of um, racism and enjoyment is like, is exceptional and that and we need that. And I think that the tie back to, to, it having its roots in sexuality as, as part of its, um, I mean, drive, I might say in a, a, a more common way. Uh, I think that there's something to, there's something to be, to be made there. There's a, there's totally a book there. Like the, yeah. Um, yeah. I know. think that's true. I mean, I think that it's because, isn't it because you're, if you belong, like racism in some ways is about belonging, right? Like that a lot of people talk about how if you come to America, one of the first things you discover if you're light skinned is that you're white, right? Like, mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. about belonging to being white. But, but there's no, the enjoyment of belonging is, I think, derived from the excluded, right? It's, yeah. it's it, it, because there's no real enjoyment on its own of belonging. Instead, it has to suck all the, all the enjoyment out of what's outside, and so I think that's yeah, why yeah. Uh, there is this insistence on sustaining the outside, and at the same mm. time, like, it's funny because, it, at the same time that the excesses are enjoyed and celebrated, they're also criticized, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the, that's the double thing. Right. Like, yeah, the, the double, the double move. Yeah. Right. Well, like, you know, um, I'm reminded I, so we did this in the, my TV class, but the, um, the Sammy, the, the episode of, um, all in the family with Sammy Davis jr. Who, uh, do you know, you, you must know it. I don't know it. Right? But you tell oh, me. you don't know it. No, oh man. No, no, no. Uh, so, um, uh, I think it's Rob Reiner's character says about Archie Bunker or no, it's not. It's, um, it's the, the Jefferson kid. He's, he says that, um, you know, Archie's, you know, yeah, he's bad, but it's not like, uh, he wouldn't light a cross on someone's lawn. And then Sammy Davis Jr. Says, yeah, but if he was walking by, he'd toast a marshmallow on it. <laughs> and, That's and good. it's, yeah. it's pretty good. And it's, yeah. uh, and I think that, um, 
I think that there is, uh, I think, I think there's another, so this points to, I think like another, like a, like a, a level of, in, of enjoyment for the white racist. I mean, like this like really doesn't exist, but like, it's the, um, it's like, well, I would never do the most violent thing. Um, which, you know, like I would never burn across right. on someone's lawn, right. which allows you to enjoy it and toast a marshmallow on it. Yeah. That's because, a really like, good point. Well, you're, I mean, you're, that's you're, the you're way putting f- this. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just gonna say you, cause you're put, you're, you're putting this difference between you and like actually the extremity of your desire. And right. like you're, yeah. Yeah. And it's fetishistic to Savelle, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like right. I, and, and this is, I mean, I liked black Klansmen. Mm-hmm. Isn't this a slight problem with Black Klansmen? And it's interesting. It's the first Spike Lee movie nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> like, it's pretty I mean, funny, yeah. I right. think it's good, but it does allow for that fetishistic disavowal because the racists in the film are so extremely racist that yeah. a, a, I was going to say a good liberal, but even a good sort of middle-of-the-road conservative could go to that mm-hmm. film and say, wow, that racism is terrible. Right. You know? Right. And, and, uh, I don't know. So that's, I, I think you're right about that, that, that in some way the clan or the, the, what are the Charlottesville, uh, yeah, right. Uh, marchers, those are the the alt right figures. The alt right Nazis. Alt right Nazis are, are, are convenient because they, it's, you're allowed to think, it allows you to think like they're the racist and I'm, I'm clearly right. not because I'm not like that. I don't burn crosses and I don't, but I think I like that idea, this image that all of us are instead toasting marshmallows on the burning cross. <laughs> right, right. I think that's pretty great. Yeah. It's the difference between, I, um, it's the difference between non-racism and anti-racism. Yeah. Is that yeah. like the, the, the non-racist project is toasting marshmallows on the, on the burning cross, uh, you know, it's just like, well, I'd never do that. I would never do this. I never do that. I, don't know. I would never, I would never discriminate against, but you know, blah, blah, blah. That's all ends up being toasting marshmallows. And the anti-racist project, uh, has to indict oneself, you know, right. like, I mean, right. you, like, right. like this, I, I think about this all the time that like, um, one, like, I mean, so we're talking about this right now. And like, as you said, I, I think like, your uh, extrapolation from the the fields is, is a good one, which is that like whenever you notice race, even when you think you're being benevolent, like that's racism. Yeah. And that indicts the self like you like, and that is what you need in an anti-racist project. Right. Is right. like, because you can't, um, Oh, th- this is, I think this is the next point I wanted to get to is that this is the problem with talking about things in terms of privilege, because right. You know, can, I've can often. Can I just say one thing before we leave? Please this? go ahead. Because isn't yeah, this yeah, the great you. lesson of Fight Club? That <laughs> in order to strike at the enemy, first you have to strike at yourself. Yeah, like that's yeah. what. That's. Yeah. The, I mean, it's. It seems to me like, it's. That's the enduring less. That's why that film has endured so much. Is that great political lesson? That. Mm-hmm. I mean, not the enemy, the opponent. I, I. I don't like this use of a enemy as a. Yeah. Yeah, but. It's the too, enemy within, but the opponent within. Or, no, I, I don't. I like the enemy within, but I don't like okay. this idea that the political opponent is the enemy. Like, I oh, feel like I see. That's, I feel yeah. like there's a real danger in that. That um, mm. you know, because I think it has the effect of it has a purifying effect on yourself. Like, yes, you know what I mean. Like it makes you, mm-hmm. like you're the pure one. That's the enemy. I have to. I have to in some way get like the the racist is the enemy 
no, the racist right. is the political opponent that mm-hmm. and their their racism has to be undermined and and mm. and transformed but or eliminated. But they're not the enemy. Like I just think that that way of you know, Badu is very fond of that way of thinking. Like for him, mm. the capitalists are the enemy. And I don't, I mean, right. I just have been paying attention to this Davos conference and it's oh, yeah. tempting to think that way, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but, but I still think it's not the right way to think. I think that it's just too, it, just this idea that it makes you the pure subject. I'm fighting against the, fighting against the, the corrupt other. I mean, I, I don't know. I just think I think the pu- the word purifying like it makes you ideologically pure, which yeah. is of course to misunderstand ideology, right? And also um, to miss the Fight Club lesson. Yeah, right? to miss the Fight Club. Right. Yeah, I well, I also think like I uh, that there's a compensatory thing where the reaction to this, which is to like so for somebody, somebody who who sees the well on the right, they say that the enemy is the socialist and the socialists say the enemy is the right. So I, and then this leads to like the, your New York times, Washington post, both sides, this and you know, and, but here's the, the, this is the, the conclusion of, 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 of a both sides uh, idea is is that it means both, uh, the, the, both poles are lying. Right. And so if you think about that, if you think like, like just like put that in the context of, um, I I think we may have mentioned this on the the show before, but I think this maybe even a year ago where there's some charter school in the American South that gave out a homework assignment asking the students to, uh, list the negatives and positives of slavery because (laughs) the teacher wanted to have an informed both sides kind of thing there. And it's like, so you can say like, well, yeah, no, it was it was wrong to enslave people, but like, you know, they were wrong to rebel and kill the the ma- you know, like that's not a that's not a position worth holding, and it's not one that even sees the situation at all. Well, and and right. I, I think this, I think that yeah. certain positions need to be ruthlessly disallowed, and that that yes, is one of them. I agree with that. Although although that's Louis yeah. C.K. has a funny joke about that. You know, he has this. I, okay, it's problematic to reference his jokes. I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, well, the ones about him being, I think, a good father or a feminist. Probably think, those are well, not more so are than others, even yeah. worse. Right? Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe jokes about him are better than jokes. Well, that's probably true. told yeah, by him. I think that's, um, yeah. But he has this joke where he says, "You know, we know th- he'll say we know this is bad, but oh, of course, but maybe, but maybe, and then yeah. slavery is one of them because." You know, and this mm. gets articulated in Blade Runner 2049, too, when the guy goes, yeah. we've never, no great advances have ever taken place without a, a, a enslaved workforce. Todd, the, the, what, what, what did the, uh, the peace in Switzerland give us? <laughs> 500 years. It gave us the cuckoo clock. The cuckoo clock, yeah. right? The yeah. third man. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was, yeah. yeah. It's a great line. Although, yeah. you know, it's interesting that they, that most historical anthropologists now or archaeologists i don't know think that the you know it was always thought that the pyramids were built by slaves right and they now think that slave labor could not have done it because it would require too much too much mm. effort and that so people must have wanted to do it exactly so they must have been paid yeah. and that's a, must have that's paid. a fascinating i think so that i think that refutes that Louis C.K. thing, and it even, yeah. I mean, it, it even, I think there's an argument to be made, I don't think this is ultimately right, but there's an argument to mm-hmm. be made that the North won because 
its laborers were more motivated. Yeah. Right? Like they're, and it was replacing an inefficient system of production of capital with a more efficient, yeah. with one that would, I mean, you know it very well. Like you're, like if you're working a job where you're, getting paid you're going to work harder than another job where <laughs> you're not getting yep. paid right like it's mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. you know so i think that that's i so i think that further disallows that slavery experiment of you know mm. like what were the benefits of slavery so it's not even the louis that's wrong his joke is wrong yeah. right it's yeah it's not yeah. even that yeah. that's interesting yeah no no i mean like that's uh I want, I want to try to, to, to pull this back. So, so, okay. So from let's, let's try to make this to the pivot to our next point. Yes. So what you might say is that, so, uh, I think some people see themselves, uh, uh, this is, this is the, the, the supposed, I think woke position on white privilege is like, well, what I'm going to do, I'm seeing these, I'm seeing these slaves building the pyramids. Well, I'm going to use, I'm going to use my privilege to speak out against it. Right. That's, that's what I'm going to do. And the thing, the problem here is that when you talk about, this is the sort of the, the problem of calling, of, of, of talking about things in terms of privilege like that is it makes it something to aspire to. And it actually makes it seem like you're the good guy in this situation. I know. Like, like I, like, I, like, I mean, this is totally true. I'm in a much safer position to speak out about, uh, trans issues uh and and race issues like this right now then somebody person. who's actually a trans a black trans person yeah. right um but I, like i <laughs> like i don't get a medal for that no. and 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 what the whole point is is not so this is why i like to talk about it not in terms of like white privilege but in terms of advantage or even a step further unearned advantage unearned because advantage. when you have privilege you want to use your privilege but when you have an unearned advantage the point is to renounce it and that gets you a lot closer to the anti-racist project that includes like indicting the self yeah i want to uh, yeah and, that's really yeah. good ryan i want to just say two things like i think that White privilege makes it seem like it, this is what you're getting at is a good thing. Yeah. Like it's a yeah, privilege. Exactly. Like you're the beneficiary of racism. That's not a right. <laughs> that's not a privilege. Right. That's a and right. the fact that like some people will say that's your white privilege. You don't have to think about race. That's not a privilege. That means right, you're you're right. blind to your own situation. Why is that a privilege? Mm-hmm. That's a that's mm-hmm. a deficit. It should be white deficit. Yeah. That's your white death. Yeah, that's pretty good. You know? uh, yeah. And yeah, then the yeah, other yeah. thing that it does, it by focusing on race rather than racism, mm-hmm, it, exactly. it fails to see that it's like, it's not white privilege. Sorry, it's white racism. Like yeah. when you don't see race, that's not white privilege. That's just white, yeah. that's racism. It's not, you know, so I think yeah. it's- a, Back to I, the fields. Right? I know, that's yeah. what I was just thinking. Yeah. I think the fields yeah. would love that because they would say- I mean, love it in a sense of hating it. <laughs> like, yeah, like, hating it as a social practice, loving it as a theoretical. As a, as a nice thing to yeah. analyze, right? Because yeah. it's it's perfect because they're like all of a sudden, privilege replaces racism, and whiteness, the race of whiteness, replace also gets racism out of the out of the picture, you know. And so you're mm-hmm, not, mm-hmm. and the, even the way they say it, like you're a beneficiary, yeah, of white yeah. racism. Well. Or what? I couldn't stop. Ah, myself. that's pretty good. That was a nice slip of yeah. white privilege. No, no, no. But that's a great one. Yeah, yeah, of white privilege, and and like that again. That's the kind of like puts you in the passive position. Like I didn't mean to do it, 
I didn't mean right. to get white privilege. It just came to me. It just, you know, yeah. it's a kind and of, it's positive and you had nothing to do with it. Right, so it's like, right. so you, so you get to, re, so you get to pretend it didn't happen and you get, I mean, this is the, the conservative. Well, you get to, to pretend it, you it, didn't do anything to get yeah. it. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right, right, right. Like, and, and because the, the, like the aim, it's like th- that, that idea of, of like eliminating white privilege, it's aimed in the right area, but it's, it's doing so in a way that sustains the problem and actually creates a, a, an, ob, an object, an ob, uh, objection position for for the, to say like, well, I didn't do anything to her. Right. And, you know, right. and, and then, and you, and then you are now in the position of proving that that person did and that, and then they did not. And you're just like, right. you know, I, you got to look for you, some you, racist act that they committed or something they yes. said or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And now you're, you're getting bogged in the particular and yeah. you have lost, you've yeah. lost. And this is the whole, and well, this, I think, good. Yeah. Oh no, I was going to say like, this brings, I was gonna say this brings us back to to Ta-Nehisi Coates and his blurb on on racecraft because yeah, what he says that. is, yeah, what he says is it's not th- their book. Uh, I'll just put it in brackets. Uh, racecraft is not just a challenge to racists; it's a challenge to people like me. It's a challenge to African Americans who have accepted the fact of race and define themselves by the concept of race. And this is, I mean, it's an astonishing uh, uh, blurb, <laughs> and it has a uh, it has a a corollary. In we talk, I, I mean, I've talked about this multiple times on the podcast, but he makes a lot of in Between the World and Me that Ralph Wiley quote, uh, yeah, Tolstoy is the Tolstoy of the Zulus. Yeah. At the end of that paragraph, which is that, um, so in Wiley's response to Saul Bellow's quip, who's the Tolstoy of the Zulus, yeah. basically like, who's the who's the who's the African writer that we should be paying attention to? And Wiley says, Tolstoy is a Tolstoy of the Zulus. Unless you find a profit in fencing off universal properties of mankind into exclusive tribal ownership. And then he and uh, Coates says, and there it was. I had accepted Bellow's premise. Yeah. In fact, Bellow was no closer to Tolstoy than I was to Nzinga, this, the, the woman who, uh, he African woman he found who was the answer to who is the Tolstoy of the Zulus. Right. And if I were closer, it would be because I chose to be, not because of destiny written in DNA. My great error was not that I had accepted someone else's dream, but that I accepted the fact of dreams, the need for escape, and the invention of racecraft. He puts it in his book, and I don't think I've seen anybody talk about it. Wow, that. he does. Does he cite them? No, he doesn't cite them. There are no, no citations in the book. But oh, but okay. it's just that's just their term. Yeah. And he and he blurbed the book. Yeah. So he must have read it. Yeah. He yeah. yeah. I mean yeah. before he wrote his book, probably. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think because the book came out in 2012, and Between the World and Me, I want to say 2014, 2015. Okay. Yeah. I think. yeah. Um, so, um, God, there's so much in that. So, yeah, because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's important. You know what? I think the, the point would be, I think you could even go further than Wiley, right? Like, Tolstoy w- was our greatest African writer. Yeah, right? that's pretty good. You yeah. know, like, that's, yeah. you know, so that I think that's a pretty interesting... I love that. I love that blurb. It, it kind of inspires me to 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 make my blurbs more <laughs> interesting <laughs> rather than this is the greatest thing I've ever read. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I just I I do want to say one more thing about white privilege because I feel like yeah, okay, please, yeah. the other thing that it does is it takes the dynamic. And I think we should talk about this. Um, mm-hmm. To some extent, like it takes the dynamic of capital out of it, right? Like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's, it's, and and I think 
the fields are good on this, and and I think it's a crucial. I mean, their point is that racism is used to divide the working class, and to yeah. and to make inequality seem justified. They and, give that thought experiment from the is I and I didn't know this that the term post racial comes from an essay that proposes a thought experiment of alien beings coming to uh, earth America specifically and saying, we'll take all of your black people and we'll give you technology to have like infinite producibility and profit. And the, the, you know, the, the, you know, the white masters in America say, yes, take all the black people. And then, so that's the post-racial it's after that event in in this thought experiment. And then what the, what the sort of conclusion is, is that like, well now, you know, this is part of racecraft is like, Oh, well why, why is the, so, so why is the janitor not like being, that's hard work. Why is he so underpaid? Well, it's not skilled labor. It's like, Oh, okay. Right. It's not skilled labor. And, uh, and then it's like, well, why is the, 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 you know, the, the, the black people like, like underpaid in these. And it's like, it's like, well, you know, maybe they don't work as hard. Right. You know, and it's so you just you come up for the reasons because th- like and that that's their point is that like racism comes from act from rationality and not emotion and irrationality. And uh, it comes from this attempt at reason and uh, and to use it to support uh, this this way of thinking, because to to not have it means you have to see the structural inequality that you started to talk about right, with right. with capitalism right. and 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 with class. And uh, yeah. Right. I think, I mean, I wonder, I don't know what you think about this, but I wonder mm. if capitalism could sustain itself without racism. Like, yeah, if, I, I mean, there have been studies that have shown that the origin of capitalism, that slavery played an integral part in the origin of capitalism, that, that it mm. was sort of disappearing from the medieval world and then it was, mm. it was revived in order to mm. provide an engine for the origin of capital, you know, around 1500s. Um, mm. But, but okay, so it's a post-slavery yeah. epoch now. And, yeah. but yet I think you need that division that slavery, uh, sorry, that, that racism creates, right? Like you need that. Mm-hmm. Well, it also allows, doesn't it allow, it funnily, it allows both the perpetuator of racism and the victim of racism to think that the obstacle to their fulfilling the capitalist fantasy is the racial other. Yeah. Doesn't it? That's interesting. Doesn't it provide that kind of, you know, like I, Oh, why haven't I gotten the job I want? Oh, it's given to all the black applicants because they get favoritism, affirmative action. And then, I mean, that's of course unjustified. But then, of course, yeah. there's even a justified response on the on the, the other way is you could say, like if you're a black applicant, you don't get the job. You're like it's racist, and it is racist. Yes, yeah. But yeah, it does. Yeah. But then it allows you to still dream that if not for racism, I could have this fantasy of complete enjoyment that capitalism promises and never delivers. Right. But really, it's it's capitalism that uh, bars that. Like, right. The, right. It, right. Structurally, it bars it. Right. Right. Yeah, because yeah. It, it needs it to sustain itself. So like capitalism, and I th- suppose your argument right now would, would be that, that capitalism is the ultimate in, in racecraft and in like, in, 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 in almost in a literal way, uh, witchcraft, because it like, 
it totally obscures its own cause and like like the it told i mean that i mean that this is right of course like like marx's point like with with ideologies like you don't see you don't see the functioning right, of capitalism right this is that's ideology and that's like the sort of almost like the magical uh part of it it's just it seems to happen around you and it seems like nobody's in control of it right but isn't yeah. it interesting that it in in another way racism contradicts the logic of capitalism like Milton Friedman and Ca- I don't want to cite Milton Friedman as the no, <laughs> great authority, but Milton Friedman in Capitalism and, and Freedom says the thing is, if you just allow capitalism to work, it will eliminate mm-hmm. all racial equality because it's not a good like if you don't allow, say you you create a restaurant and you don't allow black customers, then you're just right. cutting the, the someone else will open a restaurant right next door allow mm-hmm. black customers and then you'll you'll go out of business. So his point is there's something inherently egalitarian about the capitalist project and it's aligned I think with Marx's and Engels idea in the manifesto that under capitalism all that's solid melts into air. You know like all mm-hmm. the all the things all the firm prejudices get just uprooted because the logic of accumulation becomes the only law. So I think what is missing in in Marx's take and in Friedman's is uh, actually the seriousness of ideology. Because if capitalism really did work that way, it would work that way. Well, right. So right. I mean, what stops right. it from? No. Yeah. So what stops it from working that way? Yeah. Um, and I think it is. I think it is ideology because you can't like the the circumstances. I mean, this is of course what is like outside of Friedman's uh, like like conception of, of, of capitalism is that like the, uh, how easy is it to like, I'm going to open up a whites only restaurant in Alabama. Like how easy is it to get a loan for that versus I'm going to open up a restaurant for like everybody. Yeah. If, if, if this, if the climate is, is, is one, if, if the climate is such that like it is in favor of having a whites only establishment, right? Like that's, yeah. that's, it, it's not, it's not equal. Right. Like, so, yeah. so the, yeah, and I, I it's think, a great um, point, Ryan. And I think yeah. it's it's isn't it because capitalism? I mean, maybe Friedman and Marx are right about the way capitalism functions, sort of automatically. But it mm-hmm. needs, and I think this is it's a great point you're making that it needs this ideological supplement to get the buy-in of the yeah. subjects that it needs to buy into it. Right? Like, like yeah. if you didn't. I think I would go so far as to say if there wasn't racism, there would be very little capitalist buy-in. I mean, those fools at Davos, yeah. they would be buying in, but everybody <laughs> else would be like, wow, I really like this Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She seems like she and, and this Warren yeah. idea, tax on, on the... Right. It know. would be out. It would be about ideas and not about the, like, it wouldn't be about the person. Plus, everybody know, like, would like, be, I mean, like, the, the, the amount of people that would be socialist would be... I mean, capitalism would die. That's my point. That I think without would, no, I think it's it's totally right. Well, it's like well, like all of the you know, I remember reading this like the state that was the most against uh, the Affordable Care Act like years ago, like implementation of it was Louisiana, and it was the state that stood to benefit from it the most. Yeah, yeah. And so like like what it, I I actually think I mean this was an idea that I I think like in our second podcast I proposed like this idea to you like off air about how um, I actually think the the quote problem with Marx and his theory of capitalism is that he doesn't take ideology seriously enough. Yeah. And he doesn't see it that like it, it, I think there's not, he doesn't have a theory of ideology. 
I don't think. Well, I mean, German yeah. ideology is not a theory of ideology. It's not a theory of ideology. It just says so, like material conditions are seen as ideas. I mean, that's not really a theory of ideology. Yeah. You know? Because I, I think what it is is what, what you were saying or what we've, we've gotten to is that like it, it needs to capitalism needs to appear as like as magic like the the value of product like and of course i mean like marx is living in a time before brand names you know but like right. the cost of nike shoes is might as well be magic it has really nothing to do with production and materials right, right. you know in right. the way that he lays out very carefully right he capital. has right all right the, the surplus value you would have to the actual worker would be generating such an ab, astronomical amount of surplus value that it's yeah. impossible to theorize it that way. You're right because right. it's the brand that creates the that creates. So you have to. So you have to think. You have to buy in to the ideological position, which is that like, oh well. So China is well. They're terrible. The Chinese are terrible to their people, and so they're forcing the children to make the shoes in the Nike factories. So I'll just I can get the shoes because that doesn't have anything to do with me. Because that's what the Chinese do. You know, right. like it. Like right. so that's where where like the racism. It sustains the ideology that itself <laughs> sustains capitalism. Well, I mean, and, isn't the biggest? One, I mean, the Chinese one is a big one, but the or a lot of it's moved to Vietnam and Indonesia now. But yeah, right. um, the, isn't the biggest one still? It comes back to Africa, right? Like yeah. the way all those minerals, uh, cobalt, right? cobalt, in Congo. yeah, in Congo, yeah. and you know, they just had a they had an election in Congo recently, but it's mm. it was you know, probably corrupted and, and by, you know, <laughs> like here, <laughs> good point. Uh, uh, but it's interesting how no one cares. Like, yeah. We, yeah. The, the election in Congo didn't even make CNN. Like it didn't, yeah. I only just, I, I was reading about it on Der Spiegel. Like it's, there's just yeah. no, you know, just go, you know, so I think, and I think the reason, I think the not caring isn't just, oh, we're indifferent. It's the way in which the racism is integral to the functioning of, of capital, right? Like that's mm, the, mm. that the production, I mean, that's another point. So I was talking about the way in which the fantasy, the capitalist fantasy of full enjoyment is mm. that racism is, provides the reasoning for why I don't have it. Right, right, yes. But what you're saying is something different and I think equally integral is that racism allows you to outsource to the other race, to the other place, yeah. the 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 nasty production that you don't want to do. Mm. And the responsibility to take care of it. Yeah, that's interesting too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's their fault. Well, that's the yes. interesting idea of Trump's shithole countries comment, right? right? right. Like, which mm -hmm. was obviously, everyone said it was obviously racist, and it was. But what would have been the more interesting comeback would have been, well, okay, if they are shithole countries, it's precisely because the United States made them that, right? Yeah, like, that's the, to Tolstoy is Tolstoy of the Zulus. Yeah. That's what you're doing yeah. right now. Like, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, then the U.S. is the shithole of the shitholes, right? Like that's the, <laughs> the U.S. is the real shithole country. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. yeah. I so I think that that I think that relationship between capitalism and racism is crucial for its continuance. Racism's continuance. Mm -hmm. That's why I think you can't really fight against one without fighting against the other. Right. You know, right. I don't think you. I don't think I. I don't know about what you would say. I mean, I'm not an, I'm not an, 
how what would be the adjective? Because I'm not I'm not an mm-hmm. economist, but I don't mean economist, but I uh, like I don't believe any economic determinism. I guess you have to put it in that awkward way. Um, okay. But I nonetheless think you have to think economy alongside race. I don't. Yeah. Do you think that too? Or I do. I totally do. I mean, this is. I. I didn't. I didn't really understand how Bernie Sanders was being criticized for this in 2016, like in the run up to the election, because he was making a big deal about economy. I guess the problem was that he wasn't. Some people said that he wasn't talking enough about about race, but he was. He just talked about economy, and yeah. I, I mean, you one has to talk both because right. you have to see how they're intimately right. You have to connected, see but. You know what's interesting? Yeah, because he you was, have to. Oh, I just okay. Go ahead, finish, finish. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, I mean, to, to like to your point, like, why, like, you need to talk about them together because if you don't, if you just have, if you just have one or the other, like, you end up falling into the like, the to the bootstraps thing, and that like actually capitalism does provide equal opportunity, right. which it doesn't. Right. So right. you need. So that's why they need to be talked. But together. equally, you cannot about. talk about capitalism without talking about race. So I think it works both. Yeah. I think that's what you're saying. It works both ways. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what's interesting about Bernie Sanders is that he, I don't know why he didn't say this when Clinton was kind of attacking him on race. So mm-hmm. in the '60s, early '60s, she was a, a Goldwater girl. So she grew up a conservative. Okay. She was a gold, and she yeah. goes, "I was a proud Goldwater girl." Bernie was getting beaten by the cops protesting in Chicago for civil rights. Yeah. You know, like, okay, sorry, there's no, you can't, you, you can't all of a sudden just be the, you know, you can't disqualify that. Like that's, you know, that's, that's a huge sort of part of their existence that needed to be foregrounded. Although I think now he, his support among, uh, Latina and, and black communities is much higher. So it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just read that this morning when with the news that he might. Yeah, I know with the news he might run. I, I read that. Run. Too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I it's think, interesting. Yeah, go ahead. I don't know why he. Oh, I just don't know why. I mean, the, like, I don't know why he didn't get the like why he, that was not part of his or his campaign's messaging because they were they. I remember, uh, oh, the Halcyon days when he might have been the candidate, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, there. Uh, the Clinton campaign attacked him because, oh, like you care about universal health care so much. Where were you when I was trying to get health care passed in, uh, you know, 1992 or whatever? And the Sanders campaign posted a picture of um, Hillary Clinton talking about um, universal health care. And he Bernie Sanders was standing literally right behind her. <laughs> And, and that was what they said. Like, where was he? He was right behind you. Like he he was, you know, and I don't know. And so I don't know why the, the, the message on, uh, on racism, uh, didn't get out at the same time. Well, he should have done a better job on that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And seen, and also articulated clearly the tie between racism and, and, and capitalism. capitalism. I think like that's, that's the, like, I think, um, that, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, does that who uh, I'm I'm just going to say this now I think that I think she listens to our show because the episode that we said that um, we talked about the signifier for the for the left being compromised yeah. she gave an interview to CNN saying there's too much compromise on the left so I think she Ocasio Cortez, friend of the show. Okay, she's uh, yeah, she wrote in the comment section. Yeah, That's right. Oh my God, That's I, funny. That would she's be the one person awesome. listening. Um, uh, Untrue. We have. We have. A lot, we have. Actually, I do want to. I do want to make this point. Actually, cause I've been meaning to do this for a while. That all the people who have written to us or write on the SoundCloud and like we try to get to everybody and we try to get to requests and like, um, 
the like the support for what we do and the like, this conversation, the, the conversations we have has like been really overwhelming and really surprising because I don't think you thought you and I thought anybody would listen. Yeah, we, to this. we thought we were just doing talking to ourselves. So in a void, yeah. which we would do. Yeah, we would <laughs> do. We, we would do it anyway. We would, so we would do we it also. Anyway, uh, yeah, we're happy that it doesn't. Call, it has it's not on this Patreon. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, back yeah, we'll, to the we'll never never ask for your money. But yeah, back to the yeah. yeah I just want to maybe we can conclude with this uh, mm-hmm. the the way that um, racism in the fields say this that understanding race as a construction doesn't dissipate its power mm-hmm. as a concept, right? Like I think yeah. that's a yeah. pretty interesting thing, and I. And I, I almost think, even though we say it's a construction, I don't think we believe it is. I agree completely with this. Like, yeah, I think yeah. that, and I think this is why, you know, like, why racism more than whatever, like, prejudice about some other thing, right? Mm-hmm. But isn't it because of the tie to biology? Like, yeah. that we think it's, we think it's rooted in some kind of biological distinction, distinctiveness, and we have this incredible biologist prejudice that pr- completely mm-hmm, predominates mm-hmm. today. And so yeah. I think racism really plays into that. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, that's that's where they locate racecraft is in the the scientific, you know, right. the biological attempts to to like to like, oh, what are these traits that are that are unique that make that actually make us a distinct. It's pretty gutsy, you know, like they even take on this idea of sickle cell anemia being a black disease. Yeah. Like it's pretty, you know, they're really, because usually writers in the humanities are reluctant to stray into science because then they'll get a Sokol treatment, you know? Right, of course. Uh, And, and I, so I really, I thought, I really appreciated that. I thought, and I never, I, I said that. That was one of the times where I was just like, look, I've just totally fell for the racecraft because I was just like, yeah. yeah, okay, sickle cell anemia. I don't have to worry about that. It's black disease. Mm-hmm. And they're just mm-hmm. like, <laughs> no. it's And they, <laughs> they just sort of traced out the cases of it. And it's all, yeah. and it, the other thing that's amazing is, of course, that it's only in America that it's only a black disease. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I mean, just, you know... Uh, it's a it's a stunning way of thinking. It's a really stunning text, and I, I the the conversation in a lot of uh, well, I think the popular conversation on, on on race I think would be a lot healthier if the this book was uh, on equal footing with what Tanahasi Coates writes, who I think actually supports. I think he I think even he though it put, he would yeah I think yeah he, yeah I think he does support it, and I think it's not really in contradiction with what he's doing, right. I mean, yeah. he says it is though, which is interesting. He says it is well because he thinks. I mean, this is a this may be a separate thing, but they they were asked to talk about him in the uh, interview on Jacobin. That's well worth listening to or reading the transcript. From. Yeah, that's a good transcript. Uh, yeah, it's very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that because he tends to subscribe to primordial white supremacy is what 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 it gets called. Yeah, that like there's just like there is just something in in all white people that believes in the, that, that believes in, in, in the, the, the white race being white superiority. It just, just in, in the most beneficent white, it doesn't matter. And it, you know, like, 
you can you can certainly uh, track throughout history, and you can really really make that claim. And I and I don't and I think that there is uh, to some degree that like th- that's a, a well founded uh, idea and belief. But the problem is it really doesn't admit for a way out a- at all. Well, uh, worse than and, that, it it, yeah. it buys into the notion that race is really something. And exactly. It buys into racecraft, which he, you know, says in the back of the book, he yeah. realized that he, as a mistake. So I think that he's, I think it's something that, I think it's something that he struggles with. And it'd be really, it'd be interesting for if, if he put out a, a book uh, or an essay, I don't know if he has or not. Kind of in like response he, to them. Well, yeah, to say that like, you know, <laughs> I blurbed your book and I understand, I understood this and I put it in my own book because he mentions their concept and he, in this like key moment of his intellectual maturity and the memoir he wrote ostensibly as a letter to his son, you know, like, like, but at the same time, he struggles with that, that same idea, which I think kind of, uh, is a parallel with like one's own struggle to like really, understand and, and actualize the fields as idea. Like, yeah, that's a it, good point. It, I think that it's, well, the problem is, I think that, that it, what their idea is not, is not mm-hmm. cosmopolitan. There is no race, right? Right. Like, like right. It, it's very, very maybe hard. And I think that's why maybe Coates resists it. It's very hard mm-hmm. to distinguish. I mean, I think, to me, there's a huge distinction, but I I can understand why it would seem like that to people, right? Like, yeah, because yeah, yeah. if their point is race doesn't exist, racism creates it. Okay, yeah. So the cosmopolitan says race doesn't exist. Let's stop thinking about race. But yeah, but yeah. I think it's that second step that's crucial for them. Like, mm-hmm. race doesn't exist, so let's start thinking about racism. Yeah, because it's always and it's a great point because it always seems to be like you know, the, um, CNN and Washington post and New York times there are guilty of this always it's racially charged language. It's, uh, accused of racist remarks. It's like the, it's this like sort of mealy mouth, like, like, like you'd never want to accuse someone of racism. And not only that, the secondary thing is that like, well, can we even agree what racism is like that? That seems to be kind of the, like at the root of it. And because that's not, Act, that's not the nodal point of the symbolic yeah. uh, discourse. Like it, it, yeah, you can just say like seemingly racist, racially charged, right. racially tinged, right. you know, and, and, and what you miss is racism. And, and, and what you see is one group of people accusing another group of people or one person accusing another person of something. And it seems like, well, this whole thing is petty. Right. It's like an interpersonal problem right. and it doesn't exist. So we should just forget it. But again, you miss the engine that sustains it. You miss racism. You miss the real. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the way that the, the, the way that that functions is to get you thinking that it's just I like I almost that it's just a race question and that's always mm-hmm. the problem and and I, I was thinking that wouldn't the definition of racism be any investment in racial difference like that yeah. is that is that's what racism is and it, I mean I guess with but see I, I was tempted to say with some notion of superior but I don't think so like, I don't even think you have to have a notion of superiority or inferiority attached to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you, do you buy that or no? Yeah, I, I don't. Th- okay, well, 
I don't think, I think the fields would say, what would they say? Regardless. I think they would say that neither that superiority inferiority that doesn't have anything to do with it. It is the, yeah, it it is the, the, uh, attempt at justifying, uh, and, and quote locating difference is, is, is is racism. I think, well, I guess maybe it also has to have this obfuscation of inequality attached to it. And then that brings in our, sort of discussion of, of capital yeah. so, to, to it as well. Yeah, so yeah. maybe it's a good place to stop. Although I do want to say, we, we do want to recommend vigorously uh, Racecraft along with uh, Trauma and Race Sheldon. by Sheldon George. Yeah, two, two, yeah. Really good, two really good texts on this topic. But, mm. but yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I think that this is something that, I, I would not be surprised if somebody wrote to us and said, like, can you talk about racism and capital? Like, because that came up at the end of our conversation. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, yeah. As, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to there's a lot to, to unpack and to add. Yeah, to th- that would be kind of the, the one territory that that is not included in in racecraft, but could easily be or in Sheldon's you know. book. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Right. It's interesting that that's true. I mean, part of that is that I think. You talked about the way people that are psychoanalytic tend not to talk about race, but it's also true that people that talk about race tend not to talk about psychoanalysis. I mean, <laughs> that's a funny slip. Yeah. Tend not to talk about capitalism either. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah. not mm-hmm. like there's this kind of divide and, mm-hmm. and vice versa, right? Like the people who talk about capitalism, yeah. Marxists are not talking about race as much as centrally. Right. So, right. Right. It's the same kind of divide. Mm. Yeah. All right. The gap the in gap. this podcast. Yes, We're trying to fill it. We'll try to fill it. All right, Ryan. Over and out. Over and out, Todd.